Season four of Lycentric Radio is sponsored by Book Taco, an online program for managing independent reading in grades K through eight. Book Taco offers so many opportunities for differentiation, including the content, the process, and the ultimate product students create. I'll tell you more about them later on in the episode. Welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. It's the last episode of season four. I can hardly believe it. Thank you for taking this journey with me week after week, tuning in and learning with me. It truly has been a learning experience. I started Litcentric Radio just over a year ago, and I think I've learned something with every new episode. I hope that's true for you, too. You know, with podcasting, once you've figured out the technology, which really isn't all that hard, you can create a show. It's kind of amazing. The fact that we have a platform like this to connect on a regular basis is so cool. Podcasts are the best. I I really love them. I really do. And that's one of the reasons why I was excited to start one. You know, and it's funny, I was actually laughing out loud the other day when I was listening to one of the fancier, highly produced podcasts that I listened to, you know, the ones that have famous people or, you know, television shows behind them. And I actually laughed during the credits of all things, but it really struck me as funny that the show host rattled off their podcast team during the credits with, you know, saying things like, oh, produced by so-and-so, edited by so-and-so music by so-and-so, marketing by so-and-so. And I thought it would sound so funny if I did that for Litcentric Radio. Produced by Julie, edited by Julie, music by Julie, marketing by Julie. (laughs) Boy, wouldn't life be easier if I had a whole podcasting team? But, you know, we teachers know how to get everything done on our own, don't we? And that's true for Litcentric Radio too. But I hope Litcentric Radio has brought you some new ideas and exposed you to new books and taught you some different ways of teaching and learning. And I'm so grateful to have an audience of incredible teachers like you. So with that said, let's take a look at today's episode. We're gonna be looking at a persuasive explanation with the text, Just Like Rube Goldberg. Now, this is an awesome book by Sarah Aronson and illustrated by Robert Newbecker. And I love it because mainly I learned so much. I mean, a lot of us know who Rube Goldberg is. I mean, think about he's most famous for those intricate drawings he did that kind of show a different invention, right? Like a boot kicks a balloon and the balloon pops and it fries an egg and all these kind of funny things. But I didn't realize how much kind of was behind the story of those uh, of those drawings. And I had no idea that Rube Goldberg was essentially a local, at least a local for me. He actually went to UC Berkeley to go to college, which is not very far from where I live, and he studied engineering because his dad didn't think that being an artist or a cartoonist like Rube wanted to be, he didn't think that that was a suitable job. And so Rube decided to study engineering, and he actually worked as an engineer for a while and quickly realized it was not for him, and he didn't want to give up on his job of being a cartoonist. Eventually, he hit it big in New York City, so going all the way from San Francisco to New York and uh, working for newspapers and really over his career drawing tens of thousands of cartoons. That's just amazing. 
he actually won a Pulitzer Prize. I'm like, I, I couldn't believe that. I thought that was so incredible. So, you know, I had no idea that there was so much behind uh, the artist, Rube Goldberg, creating all these wonderful drawings. And I didn't know they were extremely popular when they first came out. And I think they've maintained their popularity. I mean, he actually really made a name for himself. Anytime you see one of those chain reaction kind of drawings or even videos that they're, all of a sudden you'll see them on you know, YouTube or on social media, they'll pop up, or even television commercials, those are all inspired by Rube Goldberg. And so people will say, oh, it was like a Rube Goldberg machine. And so that's what they mean, kind of one of those funny uh, chain reaction kind of scenarios. So what I like to use this text for is persuasive explanation. So of course, students will want to get a hold of even more Rube Goldberg invention cartoons once they see the ones in this book. And a lot of those videos that we've seen out there, they're not that hard to find. So if you actually, like I said, you know, go ahead and YouTube it first and see if you can locate a couple of Rube Goldberg inspired videos, your students will flip for them. And it will probably inspire them to want to create their own, which is really tricky to do, you know, the ones, the video style ones for sure. But they can certainly do a drawing one just using their imagination. So I would encourage students to actually draw a solution to a problem that doesn't really need one. And you'll hear that in the book a little bit today. Kind of like how, you know, an example might be, oh, how to turn on a light. Well, there's a really simple way to turn on a light. You just flip the switch, right? But of course, Rube Goldberg would come up with this really elaborate scheme for doing that using some funny things. And of course, kids get a big kick out of that. Uh, but just beyond the actual design of it, getting kids to write an explanation about how this works and then adding some persuasive language in there for trying to convince readers why an invention like this is needed. Because it really isn't the most straightforward way to turn on a light, for example. So why would this be a benefit? So there's a lot of possibilities in here, lots of ways for kids to be creative and to use some creative thinking and language in their writing. Super, super motivating project. Let's actually take a look at part of the text of Just Like Rube Goldberg. Here's the introduction. Question. How do you become a successful award-winning artist and famous inventor without ever inventing anything at all? This is not a trick question. A man named Rube Goldberg did it. In a funny way, his life was just like one of his famous inventions, an improbable and inefficient chain reaction that ends up making perfect sense. From the time he was a boy, Rube Goldberg loved to draw. We're not talking about simple stuff here. As early as four years old, Rube traced the cartoons he found in his books. At 11, he took official art classes from a sign painter. Rube might have been a quiet boy. He might have been shy, but he was determined to be a great cartoonist for a big time newspaper. So it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool dreams that he had. One of the reasons I like this book is you know, you heard that positive tone that the book starts out with, and it really maintains that really positive, you know, go for your dreams kind of kind of attitude or voice throughout the text. And it they may still make it really relatable, even though it's based on a man who lived a long, long time ago. Another great thing about this biography is that the facts in it are really the only the most highly relevant ones. So it's really streamlined. The author doesn't do any bird walking like sometimes you'll see in other texts. Um, some biographies can get really, really detailed, and uh, that can be wonderful because that's, you know, a way you hear some really interesting stories. But 
to keep it really straightforward and something that kids can relate to, I really like how Sarah Aronson really did streamline it. So it really has maintains that focus of he had the dream of being cartoonist for a newspaper and everything she included about his life really aligns with that dream. So it makes it easy for kids to process it. And one of the other things I think is really important to remember is Rube Goldberg is really an American icon. I mean, he's part of our cultural heritage and he really needs to be part of the cultural literacy experience that we want our students to have that, you know, that knowledge we want them to develop. And, uh, and even if you're listening to this and you're not American or, you know, you're you know living in another country, teaching in another country, Rube Goldberg is still someone your kids should know about. I mean, he really made his mark um, on the world and uh, lots of people emulate the ideas that he had. And like I said, you know, we even see it in television commercials and things to this day. So it's pretty exciting. So just like Rube Goldberg is a wonderful book um, to share with your students and a wonderful book to share, even in this remote learning environment. And we'll be talking about that after this break. Book Taco is a fantastic tool for getting your students to read more and to respond to their reading. But did you know that it's also amazing for differentiation too? We can think about differentiation as providing opportunities for the content students have access to the process they use to convey their learning, and the products they produce to meet the standards. Book Taco gives you and your students the chance to try out all three approaches. To differentiate the content, you can easily assign books to students at their current reading level so that you know they can decode and comprehend when reading on their own. You can tailor content in other ways too. Think about a whole group lesson you might teach, like character traits for instance. You can create a book list full of titles at different levels that support students in finding character traits. Students can log in and search the list for a book that interests them and is at their appropriate level so they can practice the skill. Book Taco makes it possible to differentiate using the resources you already have and those you know students love. To differentiate the process, students need opportunities to decide how they're going to go about demonstrating what they know. Let's stick with teaching character traits. If you want students to demonstrate how they determine a character's traits, you could give them options for exploring different resources that could help them, both on and offline. Like, how about offering the printable in BookTaco that has students compare two characters on their traits? Sometimes thinking about what a character is not like helps you realize what they are like. Or you could show your students the character traits list in that printable that might help them locate traits they might want to use. Or students could look at several titles in a book list to generate more ideas using characters they know well. They might also choose a partner and have a discussion so they can think about a character together. By giving students different options and showing them how to use those options and how they can help them, you're differentiating the process of learning. To differentiate the product, you could offer more than one task to choose from for meeting the standard. For example, some students might like to create a book talk video to share what they've learned about character traits, whereas another student might prefer to submit a writing assignment in the platform. Other students might prefer to do a collaborative presentation in class where they share a character traits poster they made. As long as all the options are of the same high quality and meet the same rigorous expectations, there's no reason why the product has to be the same for every student. BookTaco is a differentiation tool that integrates seamlessly into your differentiation plan, and the motivation it inspires in your readers is worth the investment. 
Log on to booktaco.com, select a book, and look through all the opportunities students have to demonstrate their understanding. That's booktaco.com. So just like Rube Goldberg has some really fun opportunities, and uh, I think it'd make a great lesson, not only for the classroom, but definitely in a remote learning situation. I think there's some really accessible things students can do very easily at home. And uh, that actually, they would make for a really fun process and a fun product, and I bet they'd be motivated to stick with it. Now, the bridge chart that we're looking at today is really kind of a combination of a couple of things. This kind of writing task and this bridge chart alignment really supports students um, over several days. And it's a little bit longer of, um, of a kind of a process that we go through here. So the first bridge chart we're gonna make, these are all kind of smaller ones, but they're good resources for students as they go to write. The first one is about problems to solve because I'm gonna ask students to create their own Rube Goldberg-like drawing and initially they have to actually solve a problem. So they're gonna be selecting a problem to solve, they're gonna research different ways they might solve that, and then they're gonna actually design the process. Okay, so this first step of um, determining problems to solve, I want students to brainstorm and create a big list with me um, about different problems that could have a different solution. Now remember with Rube Goldberg, his problems were really all about um, kind of improbable ones, improbable ways to solve them and really inefficient ways of solving them. Really problems that don't really need a solution because they already have one. So this problems to solve section really needs to be something very simple. So examples might be um, how to cross the street or brush your teeth, sharpen a pencil, eat your dinner, open a mailbox. Some things that we really already know how to do, but of course our students are gonna explore some kind of funnier, more creative ways of doing them. So I'm gonna have them brainstorm that list. Now remember in brainstorming, just having kids call out is not the most efficient way to do it. You're really leaving a lot of ideas on the table and you're not including everyone. So make sure when you do this, um, if it's in class, break kids up into groups or even have them start independently creating their own list of ideas and then sharing those with a smaller group. And then from there, sharing out and adding ideas to the chart. This is definitely something you could do over several days also. Okay, so just making sure that all students are included and they have lots of opportunities to generate ideas, um, build on the ideas of other people and practice some good oral language. If you're gonna do that remotely, you could definitely even do this through an online discussion board or even a Google Doc where students have a few minutes to jot their ideas down and then they contribute to a Google Doc. Or of course you could do this in discussion rooms or something online if you're doing a, you know, like a web conferencing software. There's lots of ways to do something like this. And you can do it over several days again. It doesn't have to be all done in one sitting. But once you've got several ideas for them to choose from, students are going to then think of some um, items that they think are kind of funny enough and interesting enough to use in their design. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that they have to know exactly which problem they're going to solve yet. Uh, we're really just generating a whole new list of items for students to use in their design. So again, you want them to brainstorm, but make sure it's an inclusive process. And some items that they might want to choose from are really or some of the best resources for them are Rube Goldberg's designs. So uh, making sure students have a photo or a copy of some of the designs from the book. Um, and if you find any additional designs online 
or Rube Goldberg style. It doesn't have to be exactly his. But if you go through and have students really label right on there, you know, what items do they see? Which ones do they think would be valuable um, to think about as they make their design? And again, an inclusive process and get all these ideas on the list. So some ideas could be shoes, goats, branches, steam, a monkey, a banana, a fan, a bucket, bowling ball, a rope, and a pulley. So some of those actually came directly from the Just Like Rube Goldberg book. And of course, there's a million other things you could do. So letting kids get really kind of funny and creative with this one, they're going to generate a ton of ideas. You might even, if you have a large list, especially if it's on something like a Google Doc that's easy to move around, you might want to go ahead and start categorizing those like, you know, animals that could be on your design or, oh, I don't know, um, tools, right? Like a bucket or a fan, something like that, um, or a rope or a pulley, some, maybe some silly items. If categories are helpful, then, you know, you might want to think about doing that or even better yet, have students categorize the list on their own. So that, again, this is a resource for them to use as they go to design their uh, pieces. So once you've built the problems to solve and the items for your design, those two charts, and organize them in some way, students need to be um, freed up to now go design their process. So uh, their steps, again, they have to select a problem to solve. They have to um, think about the items that they might want to include in their design. And the third thing that you're going to want students to understand is that they have to design their, their process by working backward. So thinking about the problem to be solved, like the example you used earlier of how you uh, turn on a light. Well, if, the, if you're going to turn on a light by like a bird pecking the light switch, well, then what's going to cause the bird to peck the light switch? Oh, well, um, you know, a bowling ball crashed into its nest and, th and then it flew out of the nest. Well, what caused the bowling ball to crash into the nest? Oh, well, it dropped off of a shelf. Well, what caused it to roll off the shelf, right? So you have to work backwards in order to make it make sense. And that's not something that a lot of students would necessarily think to do. And that's not, um, backwards processes aren't something we talk about a lot with students, I don't think. So um, you might want to model a very quick, simple sketch for them so that they understand um, that that's, that process is going to be helpful to them. And this is an opportunity for you to model the simple type of drawings that we're talking about. We're not talking about the most beautiful, inspired pieces of artwork, although the artists in your class who really um, would relish that opportunity, of course, you want them to make it as detailed and amazing as they want to. But it's also perfectly acceptable for stick figures and just lines and shapes, because that's really essentially what we're asking them to do. Um, this is more of an engineering drawing and less of a work of art. But again, there's no reason why those two things can't be combined and kind of celebrated together. So as long as students know that, you don't want their um, frustrations or, um, you know, any issues they have with drawing or any kind of mental blocks around that. You don't want that to stand in their way of their good ideas. So. Um, like I said, I really think this project could be a lot of fun for kids to do remotely. All they really need is a piece of paper um, or even a whiteboard or anything, you know, that you've provided. It could be on the back of another, you know, packet you sent home. It could be anything. And um, as long as they have a way to share that with you, even if it's an asynchronous format and they're just, you know, sending you a photo or posting it on a Google Doc, like I said, something really straightforward like that. It could be really a lot of fun for them to share those ideas. And of course, when they share them, there's lots of ways to do that. They can make a video about it where they even just talk and, and share their, 
you know, their illustration on video. Maybe they actually want to write about it and go through the writing task of being persuasive and explaining it. There's lots of ways that they can do that with one another. Could be fun, actually, if it was a remote situation for students to actually maybe read about each of these or analyze the drawings somehow um, or watch videos about them and then maybe vote on the one that they think is the most creative or maybe come up with categories, you know, most creative, most um, you know, unbelievable, right? Um, most uh, helpful. I don't know. That could be kind of fun. I, I would really encourage students to think of those kind of categories and, and do a project like that and just kind of vote on it and see what they think. Could be a lot of fun. So just like Rube Goldberg, again, lovely book, a lot of fun to read. And another thing that's fun is Lit-Centric Radio. At least I hope you think so. I want to thank you for joining me through season four of the show. I'm so lucky to have, like I said, an audience like you. We're going to be taking a break for the summer, just like we did last year, and we'll be back with new episodes in August 2020, just in time for the new school year. So in the meantime, uh, stay in touch with me and Litcentric Radio through social media. I'm at Litcentric everywhere you look. And you can contact me with questions that you have or ideas that you want to share for the show, or if there's literacy questions or ideas you want to share, that'd be great too. And don't forget to sign up for my email list and become a Litcentric Insider. That way it'll be easier to stay in touch and I'll be sharing some new literacy resources in the coming months that you're not going to want to miss out on. And if you're a Litcentric Insider, you're going to get first dibs and some freebies and really cool opportunities to participate and learn some new things. So I hope that you have a lovely end of your school year. I hope you have a very restful summer and have a great day at school.